I just feel so lonely. I wonder if she's ever going to text me back. so much. Why am I so anxious all the time? What should I have for dinner today? I'm so worried just about the job interview. Just breathe. I really should work out I today. I just can't catch a break. Would you love me? Just if try to really relax. Me? I can't just keep breathe. doing this. Just breathe. I just feel so lonely. I'm so worried about the job interview. Why am I so anxious? I wonder if she's ever going to text me back. Ooh, anyone else watch that sermon bumper and just feel your anxiety go up a little bit? Or is it just me? I think we all have heard a voice like that in our head, shouting at, shouting over each other, and just kind of is that constant companion that lives with us. And if you've ever wondered, man, how can I stop that voice? How can I make that go away? Then you are in the right place. And that's what we are going to be talking about today. Uh, on December 26, 1944, in the final moments of World War II, there was a Japanese soldier named Hiru Onodo who was dropped on an island in the Philippines, and he was given orders to hamper the enemy attacks any way he possibly could, to just create as much chaos as he could. And so he was told to go and destroy a nearby airstrip. Uh, there was a pier at the harbor that he was supposed to, to combat. And his orders also told him that under no circumstances was he to surrender. And so Hiru went about carrying out his orders unaware that shortly after arriving on that island, World War II came to a close. In October of 1945, four months or so after World War II had ended, leaflets were dropped in his last kind of known location, urging him to stop fighting and come down from the mountains. He actually found one of those leaflets, thought that it was Allied propaganda, and didn't believe it. More attempts were made over the years to convince him that the war was over. In 1952, the Japanese military dropped letters and pictures of his family pleading with him to surrender so that he could come home safely again. He thought that it was a trick and he continued his guerrilla activities. Finally, on March 9th, 1974, Onodo's commanding officer flew to the island to relieve him of his duties. For 29 years, Hiru Onodo fought a war that didn't exist, but he thought did. And I want to propose to us this morning that I believe the opposite is true for many of us. We're not fighting a war that doesn't exist. No, instead, I believe that there is a war going on all around us, and most people don't even know that they're in it. And this war is, is taking place, not on the streets, not in some village, not in a distant country. This war is taking place on the battlefield of our mind, our thoughts about ourselves, our thoughts about others, the, the thoughts about our past and the worries and cares about our future, our thoughts even about God. All of these are waging war in our minds. And I don't know about you, but so often thoughts of faith and fear are battling within me. 
I want to live a life of faith, but then, but then there are thoughts that, that come in like, yeah, but what about? And they start to wage war in my mind. I, I want to experience more peace, but then worry and anxiety pop right up to steal it away from me. I want to surrender more control of my life over to Jesus. And then as soon as I do, I'm like, oh, no, actually, I want that back. (laughs) I want to walk in the freedom of grace. But memories of past sin continue to haunt me. I want to feel more secure and confident. But then I remember some random dumb thing that I said all the way back in middle school. And I'm like, oh, I'm such an idiot. (laughs) Anyone else there sometimes? I think we probably all are in one way or another. And man, sometimes that battle that is waging war in our minds, it can feel crippling and absolutely overwhelming. It feels like there is no way that we are going to be able to win. But listen, the good news for us today is that God's word is powerful. And it does not just help you in that battle. It completely transforms you and gives you the strength that you need to fight against every single lie of the enemy that wages war in your mind. So if you have a Bible or a Bible app that you like to use, then turn with me to our scripture for today, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. We've got some Bibles there in the pew backs in front of you if you want to pull one of those out. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Now, if we are going to win the battles that are raging in our minds, one, we need to just acknowledge that we're in a battle to begin with. We need to know where the battlefield is. But then number two, number three, we also need to know who we're fighting against. We need to know who our enemy is. And and here's a hint. Your enemy is not your spouse. It's not your significant other. In fact, if you are sitting next to your SO right now, just turn to them and say, you are not my enemy. They may need to hear it and you may need to say it. (laughs) Your enemy is not your spouse. It is not your boss or your ex, or the person on social media that you got into an argument last week because clearly you were right and they were wrong. (laughs) Your adversary is not the person who said that thing to you that one time and every time you think about it, it's like you go to battle with them in your mind all over again. Your adversary is not the politician that holds different values than you do. Now, you may be at war with those people. You may be fighting against them, but it is the wrong battle and it's the wrong enemy. Your adversary in this battle taking place in your mind is a spiritual enemy whose sole mission is to steal and kill and destroy anything good in your life, especially anything good that Jesus is doing in your life, bringing to your life. Satan wants nothing more than to absolutely devour you and to keep you from finding the life and the joy that God desires for you. He wants to rob you of your peace and fill your headspace with fears and anxieties and doubts and, and, and worries and concerns, with guilt and with shame. Satan is our real enemy. Whether we believe it or not, doesn't change the truth. He is our real enemy. And if we're going to engage him in battle, then we need to know the weapon that he uses. And here's the good news. 
he's only using one weapon. That's all he's got. His only weapon in his arsenal are lies. Satan's strategy and the war taking place in the battlefield of your mind is to persuade you to believe his lies over God's truth. And so he bombards you. He bombards me with lie after lie after lie. You'll never be good enough. There's no way God could love you. You're always going to be the victim. Your past will always define you. You'll never get it right. Or what about this one that I'm learning lives in the head of more and more of us than what we ever talk about. You're so stupid. Satan's favorite weapon, really his only weapon, is the lies that he tells us. In fact, Jesus even says this about Satan in John 8, He says, when he lies, he speaks his native language for he is a liar and the father of lies. Satan is our enemy waging war on us, filling our headspace with all kinds of lies that hold us captive and keep us from living in the freedom of grace that Jesus has purchased for us. And so how do we fight this spiritual battle taking place in our minds. Our text today tells us that the only way to fight spiritual battle is with spiritual weapons. Let's look at it together. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, starting in verse 3. The Apostle Paul says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power. Hold on to that phrase. They have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, against who he is and what he's done for us and who we are in him. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient Christ. The Apostle Paul says that the weapons we use in this spiritual battle have divine power. That word power, it's dynama. It's this explosive power of God within them. And the thing is, is that we need that power because we cannot do it on our own. There is not enough power of positive thinking. There are not enough self-help books on the shelves of Amazon or or the bookstore to, to allow us to step in and win this war that is happening in our mind. You and I do not have and cannot find on our own the power that we need to fight the battles and win the war in our mind. But the good news is that we don't have to. Because the weapon God has given us holds the power to demolish Satan's lies. I think it's, it's, it's interesting that in the verses that we read, the word demolished is used twice in there. And it's the same English word translated in our, in our English Bibles, but it's actually two separate and unique Greek words. The first one in verse 4 says that our weapons have divine power to demolish strongholds. 
Stronghold is a military term. It was a fortress that was often built in the, the middle of a city or, or in, a, in, a, in an area that was kind of naturally fortified and they would just kind of strengthen it up a little bit. Sometimes these strongholds had, had walls protecting them that were 20 feet wide. And this is where military officers would be kept safe during battles to carry out their strategy, but it's also a place where prisoners of war were taken and held captive. And so spiritually speaking, the stronghold in your mind is the place where Satan is leading his attack and holding you prisoner with his lies. Paul says the weapons we use in this battle have divine power to demolish those strongholds. And that word demolish here in verse 4 literally means to tear them down into a pile of rubble, to make them flat with the earth. That's the first demolish. And he says that they also have divine power to demolish arguments. This demolish means the destruction or the undoing of an argument. And it could be an intellectual argument, but it's an argument against the knowledge of God, which is not just head knowledge, but it's the knowledge of what God has done for us and in us and set us free from. It's the knowledge of the power of the gospel at work within us. And all of those lies that Satan has told us that has tied knots up in our headspace. The spiritual weapon that we use has the divine power to untie all of those knots of the lies that have been created in our minds. And the weapons we use to fight the spiritual battle we're in have the divine power to demolish the strongholds that have imprisoned us and the lies that we believe that make us live in fear and guilt and shame. Two very destructive powers waging war in our minds, but there is one weapon that will defeat both of them. Paul says it like this in verse 5. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Now this is so cool. I, I, have, I have these moments sometimes where when I'm studying scripture and uh, kind of doing some research and, and, and I see something or a word or a concept in a way that maybe I'd never seen it before. And I get, and I get so excited that like, I, have to, I have to stand up out of my office chair and like pace around my, my office and go, man, that was so cool. That is awesome. I, I'm kind of a nerd like that. But I had one of those moments Studying verse 5. This is so important when it comes to winning the war in our minds. Our, Our enemy, Satan, wants to build strongholds in our minds that keep us locked up like prisoners, slave and bound to our sin, slave and bound to our our hurts, our hang-ups and habits. And he is constantly berating us with lies like God can't love you. He's not good. God is holding out on you. You can't do anything right. If people knew the real you, they wouldn't love you. Lie after lie after lie attacking us on all sides all throughout the day. And Paul tells us to take those thoughts captive. It's one word in the Greek. 
And the root means a spear or a sword. In other words, Paul is saying, take those thoughts captive with a sword. And if you're a student of Scripture, that ought to ring a bell. (laughs) That ought to bring something to mind. If you're new to Scripture, the Bible, the, the Word of God in a couple of different places is described as a sword. In Ephesians 6, Paul talks again about the spiritual warfare that we are in and the the armor that we use in that battle. We have the belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness and the shield of faith. All of these are defensive protections in this spiritual battle. And there is one offensive weapon that we have been given to go into this fight with. Paul says, in the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God of God. The Word of God is our weapon against spiritual attacks in the battlefield of our minds. Hebrews 4.12 tells us a little more about this weapon that we carry. It says, for the Word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It is strong and it is sharp and it is able to cut through any lie that the enemy throws at you. And so the Word of God is your weapon, it is your sword to take captive those thoughts, to tear down strongholds that have imprisoned you and to destroy the lies waging war in your mind. But how do we use this weapon? A few things. First, you have to identify the lie. Identify the lie that has created a stronghold in your life and is waging war in your mind. Because here's the thing, you cannot defeat what you have not defined. <laughs> you, you can't defeat your enemy if you don't know what that enemy is. And so identify the stronghold. Identify the lie so that you know what you are up against. I, I was thinking... Uh, yesterday morning during my, during my run uh, about the sermon and about this idea. If you've ever wondered, what do preachers think about on Saturday? Which is a very weird thing of you to wonder. But if you ever have wondered that, um, it's the sermon. Like, it's kind of all-consuming. Sometimes Amber will look at me and be like, are you here? Are you, are you here? Or are you on Sunday? Um, I'm typically on Sunday. <laughs> so even as I was running yesterday morning, uh, I was thinking through this and just like, man, what is the difference between a lie and a stronghold? I'm kind of workshopping this, still, still thinking about it. But here's, here's kind of the conclusion that I came to with maybe 50% of oxygen that's usually in my brain as normal. So we'll see how this lands, okay? So I think that a lie is something that Satan tells you. It's something that he whispers in your ear to erode your trust in God and to keep you living in condemnation and shame. That's, that's a lie that, that comes in the moment. And those are the things that just bombard us constantly. We hear them in our heads all the time. A stronghold A stronghold isn't a lie that Satan tells you. A stronghold is a lie that you now tell yourself because Satan has told it to you so many times that that his job's done. He just sits back and you continue to tell yourself that same lie over and over and over because you believe it as truth. 
He said it for so long that now it just runs on autoplay in your mind. You say it to yourself when you wake up. You say it to yourself when you look at yourself in the mirror. You say it to yourself in those moments at work where you just do something or miss something. I'm always going to be wrong. I'm never going to get it right. And it's deeply rooted in your life and your faith and your identity. And oftentimes a stronghold is accompanied by places where you run to escape from the pain of the lie you believe. It's the place you run to escape from the pain of the lie you have believed. And so you run to a substance because you've believed a lie for so long and it's brought so much pain and you don't know how to get rid of it. And so you turn to something to just drown it out. You go back to that relationship that you know is toxic. You run to that website looking for some relief. You scroll through social media trying to numb the pain or you fill your life with so much noise just trying to drown it out. I think lives become strongholds when we start telling them to ourselves and they gain more and more power, sometimes even addictive power in our life. And so what lie is Satan telling you that is keeping you locked up and holding you back? What stronghold is controlling you? You cannot defeat what you do not define. And so the first step is to know the lie or the lies that you are believing. And once you do, number two, you can replace that lie with the truth. You can replace that lie with the truth. You can hold that lie and that thought captive and make it obedient to the word of God so that you don't become obedient to it. You take that lie and make it your prisoner and Christ's prisoner so that you are no longer a prisoner to it. And so in my life, it looks something like this. There's a stronghold in my mind that has been built on a lie for as long as I can remember. As long as I can remember. And the accusation sounds something like this. You are not enough. You are not enough. You're not enough. And the lie that that accusation flows from is that I have to be enough. That's the lie. But the accusation that comes to me and has held me such a prisoner in my life is that I have to have all of the answers. I have to get it right every time. And if I don't, then no one will love me, let alone like me. This lie has stronghold in my life. And it's been reinforced by experiences that Satan has just pointed to and goes, see, I told you. And there is not enough power of positive thinking to fight that lie off. Instead, I have to pick up the divine power of God's word and fight that lie with his truth. And the truth is, is that I don't have to be enough because God is enough. I don't have to be enough because God's grace is enough. I don't have to be enough because his power is made perfect in my weakness. And you don't need my strength. You need God's strength. And so I'm going to give you my weakness so that you can experience God's strength. 
He is enough. That makes me enough. That is enough. And I can rest in that. And maybe you believe that lie. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Maybe you believe that lie. Maybe you believe the lie that you are worthless and your life doesn't matter. And the truth of God's word says that you are crafted and formed by him. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. His image is on you and that gives your life immeasurable amount of worth and value. Maybe you believe the lie that you are a failure and always will be. The truth of God's word says that you are his masterpiece, that failure is an event, not a person. That your failure does not define you. It does not have the final word. Grace does. Maybe you believe the lie that you need someone in your life to complete you. College students, high school students, listen to me culture is bombarding you with that lie that you need someone to make you whole, to give your life fullness and completion, but it is a lie. The truth of God's word says that in Christ, you have been made whole. We have the fullness of all things in Christ. We have been made complete. You don't need anyone else to do that for you. Only Jesus can give you what your soul desires and satisfy what you are truly looking for. No one else can. Maybe you believe that there is no way that God can forgive you, that your past will always define you, but the truth of God's word says that in Christ you are a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come and that through Christ we have redemption and the forgiveness of sin. Hebrews, Ephesians 1, 7. Not because we deserve it, but because of God's love and his grace for you. Every single lie Satan has told you that you believe there is truth in God's word to combat it and fight it off. And it has the power to take it captive before it takes you captive. And we've compiled a list, brief, certainly not exhaustive, of 10 common lies that we believe and some truth of God's word. Again, brief, certainly not exhaustive. Where you can go to maybe combat those lies with the truth of God's word. You can find them on uh, socc.org slash headspace. We're going to be keeping this series up, or this, uh, this site up during our series, kind of filling it with some resources that we hope will be helpful as you fight this battle. All right, one last thing as we wrap up today. You're in a war taking place in your mind. Satan, your true enemy, is constantly berating you with lies. And the only way that you can fight him off is with the truth of God's word. But listen, you don't have to do it alone. What Satan wants to do is isolate us. Get us off over here where where we feel like we're alone. He's got us exactly where he wants us. We do not have to fight this battle alone. God has given us the church. He has given us community for a reason so that we can fight with and we can fight for one another. 
We can be honest with one another about the battles that we face and the lies that we believe, and we can encourage one another with the truth and the grace of God's word. We need one another, and there are others who need you to battle with them. And the best way to do that is through groups. We want to help you get connected into one of those today. Quentin mentioned it earlier, but but right now and after the service, we've got Group Connect that's happening down at the fellowship hall. We have all sorts of groups that you can get connected one. If you are looking for your people, there are people who are looking for you and want to come alongside of you. And they'd love for you to join them. So stop by so you don't fight this battle alone. Church, we are in a war. And it's not with another country It's not with each other. It's not with the side of the aisle that uh, we disagree with or disagrees with us. We are in a spiritual battle and the weapons that we fight with are not weapons of this world. Spiritual battles require spiritual weapons and our weapon is not some puny pocket knife. Our weapon is filled with divine power, explosive power to not just defeat our enemy, but to absolutely demolish him, to tear him to the ground, destroy his lies. That is the power behind the truth of God's word. And Jesus says, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. But here is the best part. Church, truth is not just a concept truth is a person. It's Jesus. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. Jesus is the truth, and he has the power to not only set you free from strongholds that are keeping you in captivity and the lies holding you back, he has the power to demolish every sin, every stronghold, everything in your past He has the power to demolish those and bring you into freedom of his grace and back into a right relationship with God, which is where you belong. Jesus is the only one who sets us free from all sin and guilt and shame, and we can have this victory through his life, his death, and his resurrection. If you want to talk to someone today about learning more about that, experiencing that power in your life, And we'd love to walk with you through that. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for the victory that you have already won. And while there are battles each and every day that are waging war in our minds and against us, Lord, thank you for the truth of your word that is a sword that we can use to take those thoughts captive and make them obedient to you. Thank you for the victory that was won on the cross that brings our salvation. Thank you that in you there's now no longer condemnation. Lord, I pray that we will learn to learn to, to live in the freedom of your grace, to find it, to hold on to it, to protect it, defend it. And Lord, I pray that as you release us from the things that have held us captive for so long. And as we put aside and fight against the lies that Satan wants to whisper to us, Lord, as we walk in the freedom of that, may people around us see this grace in us and want more of that in their life too. And I pray this in Jesus' name.
Amen. Thank you for watching this message from Sherwood Oaks Christian Church. Did you know you can view any message from the past six years at socc.org messages? You can also view complete worship services from the past month at socc.tv.